Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60. This chapter gives us an amazing picture of what lies out on the horizon for all who belong to God. How many are looking forward to what is in our future? Yeah, both hands. <laughs> it's a chapter that is revisiting what Isaiah has been talking about all along through our study in the book. The kingdom age, a, a new world, a, a new Jerusalem, a perfect government being led by a perfect king. Hard for us to imagine, I know, and it isn't what we have right now, but it is what will be when Jesus returns and establishes his forever kingdom. Then we will experience the fullness of our salvation and peace, and joy. Till then, we live only with what I'm going to refer to as glimpses of this great and future glory. Glimpses that we actually get from, obviously, God's Word. Glimpses that we see in His working and moving on the planet. Glimpses that we see in one another as we continue to give our lives and lay our lives down and surrender and, and watching Jesus change us and become more like him. Glimpses. Of course, those future glimpses are incredible. Are they not? Yeah. <laughs> but God offers, even still, they're glimpses of something that's out in the future. He still continues to offer us a good life here on earth, an abundant life for the here and now, in this not yet stage of life. Not an easy life, but a good life, and as I said, an abundant life. Amen? His blessings are available for us to enjoy now. His peace is available for us to experience now. His power is available for our benefit now. Don't have to wait. Available now. Even in the midst of difficult times and circumstances, we can, because of His presence, experience this abundant life that we talk about every now and then in this place. And hopefully, we've all learned by now that the abundant life has nothing to do with your cash flow or stuff, right? nothing to do with economics. There is a type of abundance that transcends all material stuff and possessions. That's why there are people who are living in the slums of third world countries who know they are blessed and they are full with peace and joy. It is also why there are people living in the prosperity of America whose hearts are nothing but a wasteland. God wants you to know that you can experience the joy of his promises right now. It is his intention, folks, right now. Even though we, we don't receive all of the promises right now. 
Some promises we wait a lifetime to experience. Some we won't experience until heaven in the presence of our Lord and Savior. But we can experience glimpses of their fulfillment now. And the joy that comes with him. This is what Isaiah chapter 60 presents to us this morning. A present living hope. Therefore, a great expectation. How many of you are here this morning and in your heart is swelling up a great expectation simply because of who your God is? Yeah. Theologian Paul Tillich referred to it as having and not having at the same time. In the present, we don't have all that we will have, meaning unlimited abundance, perfect health, unending joy, but we can live today as though we do have it because we know that we will have it. How many are tracking with me? Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> In other words, we can experience the joy of God's promises today. Even though today we see only glimpses of what is to come. Paul is referring to this very thing when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that chapter that we refer to as the love chapter. But remember what he said in verse 12? For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Right now, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am known. I want you to think of it as a, in terms of illustration as an inheritance. And, and before I launch into illustration, let me just give a little disclaimer here. I realize that money is, is not the ultimate fix-all, so it's not a perfect illustration, but I think you'll get the point, okay? You had a rich aunt or uncle, and you found out that that rich aunt or uncle left you, let's just throw out a number, $10 million. It is yours. There is no question about it. The problem is you've got to wait for the legal system to do its process, and you're going to have to wait a few months. But let me ask you this. Knowing that it is yours, knowing that it will be in your possession at some point in time, don't you think that it might change your perspective on life just a little bit? It will. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Your car broke down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little behind on the medical bills. All right. It changes everything, doesn't it? Our perspective. It just <laughs> has an amazing effect on us. And so even though you may not have it, the fulfillment of that promise, you can live as if you do have it because you know it is coming. This is what Paul was talking about, I think, in Romans 8. Amongst other things, he says, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's Romans 8, 24 and 25. What does the word hope even mean? I think in our society, you know, we kind of throw that word around, and a lot of times it just sort of gets used quite loosely, kind of as if it was just sort of wishful thinking. But you know what? Biblically, 
the biblical concept of hope does not mean wishful thinking. The biblical concept of hope can best be described as positive expectation, watch this now, based on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I love that. It has nothing to do with circumstance. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that He is a good God and a faithful God. Promise-making, promise-keeping God. Mostly hope was all that the Israelites had to go on so much of their history, right? It was people had, you know, God had promised them great things, but there were dark times in their time, in their history, when they could only look forward to the promise. Much of Isaiah was written in such times, dark times. He doesn't paint a dark picture, Isaiah doesn't, of the future. He paints a bright picture of the future because there was much darkness in Israel at the time but prompt the promises the future will be nothing but the goodness of God and he needing to get them directed back on that now we understand why there were such dark times in their history don't we We've seen it time and time again and throughout all of our studies, especially here in Isaiah, because of their disobedience and their rebellion and their rejection of God. The consequences brought to them dark times. But isn't our God a good God? Still, He promises them a better future. And it's going to come to them not because they will have earned it, It'll only be because, and I like to say it like there's only one way God can be, and that's good. He doesn't know how to be any other kind of way <laughs> because he's a faithful, good God. So today, we're going to cover the first five verses of this 60th chapter, and we're going to see how we can, in the midst of hopelessness, learn to live in hope, in positive expectation until the not-yets of life become fully and forever now. So first of all, Isaiah tells us that we're to rise up, look out, and embrace the promise. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Among all the cities in the world, you know this, Jerusalem has one of the most interesting histories, doesn't it? Down through the centuries, the city has been conquered time and time again and left in complete and utter ruin. No one living at the time of any of its destructions ever thought that the city would ever rise again. But it always did. <laughs> I mean, it always has. It rose from the ashes of the Assyrian destruction. It came back from the Babylonian destruction. It has come back from the Roman destruction. Although it is the capital of really kind of a small nation, it seems to be a city that just will not go away. And, of course, we understand why, ultimately, don't we? And it's people. It's people have survived exiles, untold atrocities, and deliberate attempts to exterminate them from the face of the earth. Holocaust after holocaust has been launched against the Jewish people and their nation. 
Their history has been plagued with a lot of dark times. This scripture here that we're looking at is a prophecy concerning the future of Jerusalem. The day is coming. I just love the song we just sang, there will be a day. Amen? This prophecy here that Isaiah is putting out there is letting us know that there will be a day. That this city will once again be established, but only this time when it is reestablished in the new age, the kingdom age, after Jesus returns, it becomes not only the capital of a small little nation, it becomes the capital of the entire world. At that time, the light and glory of God himself will come to the holy city and dwell there forever. The message reads like this for verse 1. I love this. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. (laughs) Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. Isaiah is describing the sunrise of all sunrises, if you will. A bright new morning that has followed a many centuries-long, dark, frightening, stormy night. A morning that will be without end. When that sunrise takes place, the sun will never, ever go down again. In fact, Revelation lets us know that the glory of God will be brightened up, that there will be no need for the sun or moon any longer in that day, in that time. Now, a little bit ago, I described hope as positive expectation based on God's goodness. Another word for it would simply be a word we all know. It's optimism. How many of you know, how many believe, and though we, even though we may not always live up to it, that every Christian on the planet ought to be optimistic person? Don't you agree? Sure you do. You may not always be that. I may not always be that, but the Bible tells us that's what's out there for us. It's, it is ours to be. In fact, Romans 8.28 pretty much nails it, as we know, that in all things, God works for the good of those, very good, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything that's going on, the scriptures are letting us know, all work for good. Now, I want to ask you, does that leave any gray area? Doesn't that, isn't that telling us that we have every reason to be optimistic and hopeful? No matter what might be going on, no matter how bad the boss might be, <laughs> or how rude the neighbor is, or whatever, we have every reason to be hopeful and optimistic simply because we belong to a faithful, good God. If you truly believe that verse, then obviously it becomes impossible to be a pessimistic person. You ought to see what I'm seeing right now. A lot of pessimism on those faces. (laughs) Come on, folks. God is making everything work out for the best. Do we believe it or not? 
Do we believe his word or not? When you read about God's plan for the future, you see that his plan is a good plan. Plans for joy and plans for peace, for justice and righteousness to be what is reigning, healing for the wounded and help for the afflicted and hope for the hopeless. God has great things in store for us, his people, even though we currently live in a world that isn't there yet, we can face every day with optimistic hope because we know that God is at work, even at this very moment. This is exactly what Isaiah is talking about. He says, arise, shine, get rid of the gloomy faces and the gloomy hearts. Arise, shine. It's like he's saying, greet the day, greet the world, greet your problems with the confident smile on your heart that shows up on your face. <laughs> because God's light is shining on you. Isaiah goes on to say in verse 2, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. From the beginning, God's plan for Israel was for them to be a lighthouse for the entire world, right? All the way back to Mount Sinai, he called them to a special mission. I want you to let the world know that I am real and I exist, that the world may know that they could see him through them. See what? Well, the glory, the goodness, and the faithfulness of God. This is his plan for the New Testament church as well, folks, you and I. Jesus said in Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden Two verses later, he continues, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Picking up on this, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he, and then he finishes up with, and so live as children of the light. You are light, so live like it, basically, is what he's saying. <laughs> I don't have to convince you that we live in a dark world, that these are dark times. All the more reason, wouldn't you say, for the church to rise up and shine brightly? Since the Lord has risen on us, and while we don't necessarily see it in America currently right now. The church, from a worldwide perspective, is expanding, is increasing its effectiveness in places such as South America and Africa and Asia. We hear a lot of terrible stuff coming out of China, but God's moving in China beneath the surface in underground churches. 
God's people are making a difference throughout the world, expanding missions, getting the Bible to unreached people groups, and are reflecting God's light and His love in many, many other ways. These are the kinds of things that Isaiah is telling the people of Israel to get interested about and to start doing, and he's actually also saying that to you and I today. We can greet each day with optimistic hope. We can live our life with positive expectation because God's glory, God's word tells us, has risen upon us. That means that you are not alone. How many are glad you're not alone yeah. <laughs> in this? You have his presence to guide you and his promise to sustain you. His working out the details to make it all come together for what reason? For his glory. So rise and shine, Isaiah tells us, for his light has come upon us. Secondly, we want to notice that light attracts. How many of you know that to be true, right? Especially at night, if you're out in the back patio and you got your lights on, what comes with it? <laughs> In this sense, because light attracts, we want to embrace the mission. Watch this. Look at verses 3 and 4. Nations will come to your light. <laughs> and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. The light is given as a benefit to be enjoyed. It says, rise up. And it is to be a transforming experience. It says, shine. Therefore, the light is intended to draw, to attract. Like a moth <laughs> attracted to light. So it will be with people. You want to know why? Because people are attracted to hope. Am I telling the truth? People are attracted to hope. And hopefully they're seeing hope and the glory of God and a reflection of that light in you and me. The truth is, who you are is who you will attract. You're pessimistic, guess who your buddies are going to be? <laughs> Positive, hopeful, optimistic. Hopefully people will be drawn to you because of the strength of the, the fact that you have placed your hope in this great expectation of who your God is. When you live your life this particular way, in spite of your circumstances, people will be drawn to you. This is how God has ordained it. This is the mission. That's because people, as I've said, are drawn to hope. And our message is irrevocably hopeful, is it not? We believe in the goodness of God. That's how we get from living in the not yet to living in the now, even though we're not there yet. And did you notice that the nations, those, I love this, those who were at one time totally against the people of God 
are now coming, bringing the people of God with them to the holy city. You've got to love that. Thirdly, God's promises will be all that they're made out to be. Look at verse 5. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. The cities, or excuse me, the, the riches of the nations will come. Isaiah is talking to Israel about the fulfillment of God's promises. A time in the future which we've gone over several times through our study in, uh, in Isaiah. He's also talking to us, however, not just to Israel. He's talking to us. He's reminding us that the fulfillment of God's promises are reliable and they are true. A way that I have referred to it over the past years, you know, is it's, it's, a, it's something that you can take to the bank <laughs> in total confidence. His promises, reliable and true. The ultimate fulfillment of these promises will be when we are with him in eternity, right? Till then, we experience inspiring glimpses of their fulfillment in the way that God works in our lives today. And even though in the present we have struggles, we have troubles, we have trials, we also have, however, that which way outweighs them all is the promises of the fulfillment of God's word. Just as the nations will bring people, the sons and daughters, the people of God with them, notice also that they will bring with them their wealth. Did you see that there? The things, in other words, that were once upon a time the top priority of their lives, maybe even the very things that kept them from coming to God initially back when, now have lost their grip and they're bringing them to God as an offering to Him. You got to love that. We like the idea of wealth, don't we? Come on, be honest. But we do not want to limit this to stuff. Please don't get stuck there. This is about God restoring to the full what the enemy has stolen. This is about being rich with the goodness of God, not stuff. You have what you need when you need it. Knowing this, we can live in positive expectation of God's goodness, even though we sometimes have to wait it out. Paul referred to this in Philippians when he said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation. He finishes this thought by reminding us, my God will meet in other words, he will supply all your needs according to his meager stuff. No, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. 
And even though we live in a not yet world, I want you to remember that you will have what you need at the exact right time when you need it. The Lord is near. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 145, all, he is near all who will call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves, he heals, he delivers and provides for them. We live in a not yet world. Someday the temporal not yet will become the eternal now. And our hearts yearn. Amen. All of God's promises will be complete and fulfilled. Until then, we wait in positive expectation because of His goodness. Even in this not yet world, we experience more blessings than we could ever count, more blessings than we could ever, ever deserve. So even though we wait for all of God's promises to come to pass, we can be filled with hope today. Oh, people, please, hear God's word. And may it fill you from top to bottom, to the brim, with his hope, with his hope, with his hope. We can share the reason of our hope with those around us and expect the Lord to send people our way. Isaiah is reminding us of that. As you become light, light attracts. And hopefully that light will be one of hope. And people will be attracted to you because of the Jesus they see in you. Amen? Hope draws people like a magnet. And we can wait as long as we need to wait because we know that God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory when the time is right. A few chapters from here in Isaiah chapter 64, he writes, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you. I love that who acts on behalf of those, hear this, who wait for him. How's your waiting today? We who, as I've said before, stand in front of the microwave tapping our foot because it's not fast enough, right? So we're being told by God here to put your weight on. <laughs> not literally, but <laughs> spiritually. Put your weight on as you wait for him, and it will be worth it all. Amen? It continues in Isaiah 64, that fifth verse. You come to help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. Folks, this is what it means to hope. This is living in positive expectation. This is what having a great expectation is all about, based on the faithfulness and the goodness of our God. Father, we come before you and we are just thankful, so thankful for you. 
we say all the time that you are a good God. I, I pray, Lord, that that would be more than just words. And, and it would be more than just a thought that we have kept up here in our heads. But it would be a truth that moves into our hearts, that moves out into our behavior, into our actions, into our thoughts, into our attitudes, into how we reflect you. How we allow your light to shine on us and shine through us. And that that light would be one of hope. Hopeful optimism. Hopeful expectation. And that's what others would see and be drawn to you as a result. We thank you, God, that we can live right now. Even though there are promises that are not yet quite fulfilled, we can live as though we have them now. Because we know that we will have them soon. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will